We're in chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. How many chapters are in Hebrews? 13. 13. So we will uh, do tonight and then uh, <clears throat> Sunday. And then uh, Greg and I will... We still don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out before then. A week from tonight, we'll have a review of the, of the whole book of Hebrews. So that being said... That's just the one night review. One night review. One yeah, so we've been trying to review along the best we can. Uh, for me, that helps me better if I, if I was a student. Is let, Let's review rather than just trying to cram it all in at the end. So we tried our best to, uh, <clears throat> to to do that. I hope we I hope we have. Um, what was the what were the um, Hebrews major? What's the the basic message of Hebrews? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't drift away. Don't drift away. Chapter two. Chapter 2, very good. Don't drift away. Don't give up. Uh, what were they facing? Persecution. Persecution. Um, what kinds of persecution? Had they gone through persecution before, based on the early chapters of Hebrew? It appears oh, yeah. so. Must have calmed down a little bit. <clears throat> now it's kicking back up. And <clears throat> they were... Uh, Basically, since the book is t entitled Hebrews, who basically was it written to or for? Jews. Jewish, Jewish Christians, in this case. And they were considering going back. That it would be easier to go back. That was, that was their thoughts, thought, overall thought. Would that would have been true temporarily? It, probably. Um, what did what was the uh, the graphic picture that Peter <clears throat> uh, described um, about people that go back, people that turn back, like, dogs. like a dog returning to its vomit, mm -hmm. a sow wallowing to its mire, yeah, back in its back in the mud, we would say. He said that's the picture. That's how God views it when people go back. When they give up, and we've seen through this, this this whole book, the writer is trying to his best. He did a wonderful job to describe why it's better not to go back. You just want to give me a few of those things. Uh, what's better about sticking with it? In this case, two thousand years ago, or today, even we'll talk about some lessons here in a minute, but. Uh, why is it better? The prize at the end. The prize at the end is, is big time. It's well worth the temporary difficulties we have to go through. What chapter did we, chapters did we recently study that would describe that? 12. Hebrews 12, 12 and then Hebrews 11. So, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He was a better what? Better high priest. High priest. Better than the angels. Better than the angels. Better Chapter than what? One. One. Oh, you're good. <laughs> uh, better mediator. Better mediator. Covenant. 
Better covenant. Better sacrifice. Better sacrifice. Better blood, which is obviously tied to sacrifice. Better priesthood. Better priesthood, without a doubt. Because if he was under the old law and the old system, could he even have been a priest? According to chapter 7. No. He was from the wrong tribe. He was from Judah. Um, so all these things are better. Well, does he have a better position today? Right hand of God. Right hand of God. What does that imply? What does that indicate? All authority. He has all authority. He's sitting. Yes, he has God's ear. He has God's ear. The work, his work is done. I mean, as far as this earth, it's over. He's, he's not going to come and die again like they had to do with all sacrifices daily. So today, tonight, Jesus expects better service. Notice how we ended chapter 12. It's an interesting, that very last, uh, how, how did he end it up? I don't know, positive note or a little bit of a, a little bit of a scary note. A little bit of a scary note. And how did that read? God is, God is a consuming fire. He's love. He's all those wonderful things we're going to talk about here in a second. But I'll tell you, <clears throat> it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So our God is a consuming fire. Now, I'm glad they didn't end Hebrews with that last period. <laughs> or we all leave here scared. Look at chapter 13 and verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Now, notice, well, I'm going to read, I'm going to read these real quickly here. And just kind of look at, see, see if this, uh, one of the things you always used to do in, when you were in English class or something, you would have paragraphs are related thought or, or thoughts in a paragraph. Listen to all these and go, wait, what? <laughs> Let brotherly love continue. We're going to talk about that. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable and undefiled and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. What, what might be another word for covetousness? Love of money. Love of money. Greed. Greed. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We'll talk about all these in a second. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Remember those who rule over you. And he goes on and on. And you're going, my seventh grade English teacher would not the way, like the way this is broken up. There's a lot going on here. One of the methods of Greeks and Roman writers and early New Testament writers, the first word or phrase of a list of things usually encapsulates or is the motivation behind saying the other things? Let me say that one more time. Please. 
<laughs> I may have to get Greg up here to say it the same. When you see a list of things in the early New Testament writings, one of the things they would do in that first phrase, of, that phrase in this case, a list of all these things that appear to be unrelated, appear to be, is the overarching theme or the motivation for all the things that come behind in this list. Now, you've got to put your thinking caps on today. So I'm going to come back to it in a second. With that being in mind, let brotherly love continue. Oh, let me get to my second slide here. This is no way on. There's a pop-up on the computer. Pop-up on the computer. Arrow key? Oh, it's... Is that cloud thing, that thing with the clouds have an X on it or a cancel? Um... The big problem, it's an Apple product, so that's, uh, if, it, if it was, uh, if it was PC, I don't know how to do a, a PowerPoint presentation on PC. What is that? That's I don't know. That's okay. We'll, okay. Okay. it just worked. Okay. I made it worse. It's okay. We'll, we'll be fine. What did... Um, Paul tell the, the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13 though you give your body to be burned if you don't have love it's like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal it's just a bunch of sounds that we, that we hear but it doesn't mean anything so I think we all agree that the, the motivation behind all of this is like brotherly love continue. Now, with the overall message of don't turn back, don't quit, don't drift away, what would brotherly love continuing have to do with that? There's strength. There's strength. What else? That's good. I like it. Encouragement. Encouragement. Wonderful. Well, a lot, a lot of the times, instead of focus on what not to do, it's, it's we got to focus on what to do. So we got to like focus on brotherly love. Okay, love, love. Uh, someone does the, the word love here. It's used at least in this writer, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, uh, uh, brotherly love. Uh, now we know about agape and all, all, all those other, all those other loves. We studied about that in First Corinthians thirteen. But with brotherly love, you're, you're going to be we're going to encourage one another. We're not going to want to quit. What else? What else? Be more patient. We certainly can be more patient. We don't want to let people leave. We want to keep them. Someone's slipping. We don't give up on them. We try to pull them back in. 
you don't, we don't want to lose anybody. He's going to go on to say toward the middle of the chapter, if you uh, those that are in prison, you remember them like you're in prison with them. We're going through this together. And if you turn back, you're basically on your own. And we need each other. Does it show a commitment to one another? This brotherly love. Committed to one another. How are we committed to one another? This is not a fill in the blank night tonight. Through the this, blood of Christ. Got to think about this one. Say again. Through the blood of Christ. Certainly. Yes. That's not what you're looking for. Oh, that's okay though. <laughs> Did you read my mind? No. <laughs> I get it. You have it on the board. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. To help one another. Uh, certainly to help one another. It goes on to say a little bit later, a few verses down, don't be greedy. Why? If you're greedy, who are you thinking about? Yourself. Yourself. If you let brotherly love continue, you're thinking about others. You're thinking about others. Mm -hmm. Not thinking about others only. But doing for others. Doing for others. Doing for others. Doing for others. They're, that's inseparable, really. Some can, we've all done it, I've done it. We can, what, in fact, let me back up. What, what did James say about you see your brother in need? This is a faithful brother in Christ. And he needs uh, some food and some clothing. Tell you what, uh, Portia, you be warm and filled and have a good day. Wait, what? What did James say? How does the love of God abide in you? So, don't be greedy. Don't do all these things. Let, do not forget to entertain strangers. That's an interesting one. Do not forget to entertain strangers. This is uh, this thing is often used and sometimes abused, but we'll talk about it. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have entertained angels unawares. Has that ever happened in the Bible? Several times. Several times, far. Uh, name one. Abraham. Abraham. Gideon. Ah, Gideon over in Judges. We would have got Genesis 18 and 19, Lot. But Gideon was Gideon, Gideon was a strong man. I read that today, and, and, and that was an interesting, uh, interesting th uh, reading I haven't read in a while. When the angel came to him and said, "You're a, you're a strong man for Israel." And Gideon starts making a few excuses and wanting some evidence. And God basically says, you claim to be a strong man. Why don't you go be one? <laughs> and he showed him some things. And Gideon, in fact, did those things. So uh, he didn't know until later that some of those, uh, that, that they were angels. Because they didn't appear to be angels. But the message 
Well, what's another word for, for angels? It can be used in a generic sense, the same word. We translate angels or what? Messengers. Sometimes that word just means a messenger. And sometimes it's literally angels. So it's hard to determine from this. Got to be fair about it. Um, by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Is he talking about the Old Testament, the ones we just talked about? I lean toward that, that that's what he's talking about. But I can't say 100%. Now remember, this is 2,000 years ago. The days of miracles and all that was not over yet. Maybe the writer was thinking about an instance or instances in his life where angels were active, very active, and, uh, and transparent in some cases. Could, could be that. Could be talking about the Old Testament. So, uh, and some people will apply that today. I can't stand up here and say that that some way may not happen today. It's great. To me, what's interesting is this, this whole point about entertaining strangers. If you think about in times of persecution is getting tough enough that Christians are thinking about going back, and travelers, there weren't hotels in the time, so travelers had to stay with people. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to pull back from being around anybody because you're afraid the persecution may happen to you. They say, nope, don't pull back. You entertain strangers, just like you always have done um, for, for this reason here. So it's really an interesting thing. You can almost look at all these and say, wow, how will persecution affect a marriage or affect me being self-centered or affect my contentment? It, it, it affects all those things. It affects every one of them. And it's like, nope, you got to you gotta, you gotta still be a Christian. No matter how you you feel like this persecution is affected, because when you pull back, by definition, what do you do? You start coming back inside yourself. I don't want to be bothered with people. I don't want to be around people. A lot of cases, not always, but all people. I, I I don't want to be. If I'm associated with Christians, what might happen to me? There's that big word again. Me. I might be thrown in prison too. Guilt by association. association. That's going through their mind. It has to be. Otherwise, there's no reason to, to I, reason, I guess, but to have all these different, this litany of, of things that are seemingly unconnected aren't unconnected at all. They're really not. Um, but if you go back, I'm not going to be open to a lot of that. I used to, you know, used to be a member there with those, those people before I fell away. Um, I, strangers, no. Marriage, husbands and wives, split over Christianity. I grew up in that household until the very end. My mother would take us this way. My dad would want to pull me back toward things that were more fun as a twelve-year-old. If, if I fall away, it's going to be a lot easier for me to be covetous, greedy. But if I stay faithful, that, that's the whole point here, then I'm going to be considerate of others. I want to help others. Does that mean that you might have to dig into your wallet occasionally? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can and does, and that's okay. 
That's okay. God said, I expect you to be that way. Because he's going to go on to say a little bit, uh, don't uh, be content with what you have. Th that's a first cousin to this, isn't it? Be content with what you have. Well, I don't have as much as fill in the blank. That's a fact. And the point is, oh, that's right, there is no point. <laughs> All this playing field will be leveled at the end. It won't matter. How much are we going to leave? We're going to leave all of it. We're going to leave it all. So he said, be a, good, be a good steward. Don't be foolish about it. He gave us a brain to use. And to use wisdom in it. Um, be content with what you have. Um, what could have happened to some of these people a few chapters back, maybe four, five, six, somewhere in there? It says, be content with what you have. Had there, some of their goods been plundered? Yes. They had had stuff, and they'd been taken away. All of it, I don't know. Some of it, probably, yes. And do you have to have a lot of money to be covetous or greedy? You really don't. Maybe. They were saying, I, I remember the good old days. Back when I had money before, as a Christian, I had to give uh, some of it away or it was taken by the good. And I'm going to do whatever i got to do to get it back. Really? So be content with what you have. Now notice the last part of that. For he himself has said, I will never forsake you. So we may boldly say, this is in Psalms 118, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Remember those who rule over you. Now how does that come into play? And first of all, who's he talking about here? Elders. Maybe. Government. Maybe. Christ. I think he's going to be talking about the elders toward the end of chapter 13 yeah. by, by the context. But I'm not so sure here. It could be. Notice, remember those who have rule over you, verse 7, who have spoken the word of God to you. Mine says led. Mm -hmm. Who have led? Who led you. Led's good. What does that strongly imply? These people who have uh, rule over you or uh, who lead you. Mm -hmm. I, I like lead better. Lead you. Those who led you to the word. Teachers, mentors. The ESV says, uh, remember your leaders. I don't know if that translates right, but. Yeah. These are, these are probably, probably, people who, does, it, does anybody remember, I know you do, when you were younger, someone who had a big influence over you as a Christian? Boy, I do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did they lead me in a sense? They sure did. Did they lead me to the Word and eventually be about? Yes, my mother was one of them, but there were others. I think by the looking at the context, that's what he's talking about, but I would not be adamant about it. The leader part. Now, we get over the, those that have to give an account. I think the implication there is he's talking about the church, but 
Here, not so sure. Not so sure. Now, he's going to put the cherry on the top of this Sunday. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How does that tie things up? If I'm thinking about quitting. I'm considering leaving. I've just heard all of these wonderful things. I don't know. Um, I can read in the Old Testament. You know, they, they knew the Old Testament. How God would do all of this and this and this. Well, what, what about that? Well, if you change... Well, there's no place to go. He, God doesn't change. If you change the, what people are changing now, the rules of marriage, Christ is not going to change. So... It doesn't matter what you do, it's going to be wrong if it's not what... God's laws don't change. And that's one of the big problems today in this world, in the religious world. Well, you know, you have to adapt the... You know that's 2,000 years old, don't you? Really? Um, you know you have to adapt to the mores of our society and so on. Things change and we have to change with it. There is a little bit of truth to that on things of uh, societal type things, but uh, the overall message on marriage, divorce, and remarriage, Dennis, is what? Same as it was 2,000 years ago. You color that, turn it any way you want it to. It's not true. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What did he say about marriage in Matthew 19 and Matthew 5? It's for life. And there's one exception. So what does that mean today? It's for life. And there's one exception. And even that's not honorable. There would be a major problem for that to happen. But it is an exception that the Lord Himself granted with His own mouth. That hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. One man, one woman for life. Well, what about today? Hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Questions, comments? One thing I've seen or was really cool about Christianity is even in different cultures, they have like their own um, their own traditions similar that we do um, as far as how they do things. And it's interesting to see. Okay. Um, Mitch, it was really it's really interesting when you just a reference in my Bible, refer back to John 8.58, when Jesus answered the, the, the Jews, the people who would have likely been behind the persecution of these Hebrew Christians, who are you? He says, before Abraham was, I am. So what the Hebrew writer says said here is exactly what Jesus said. Yep. There is a reason Jesus is saying yesterday, today, and forever. Because Jesus is God. And I just saw yesterday... Since being recorded, I'll just, I'll just say a religious body that is split, like 30% of it split off over this gay marriage stuff, transsexual stuff, and uh, it got to liberal even for them. That happened was recorded yesterday. Um, you you know how you avoid all that? Stick with this. Just stick with this. 
Man has no right to determine those things. We don't. We don't. We really don't. Let me ask a question. Love. Probably most, one of the most abused words in our language. Is love, are feelings involved in love? Of course. Even in love, brotherly love, like described here? Absolutely. What about an attitude? Mm -hmm. Is that involved? Mm -hmm. You better believe it. Oh, those are key ingredients. Now let me ask it. What about mood? Is that involved in the word love? Mood? Today I'm in a good mood. Tomorrow I may not be. <laughs> mood's not involved. Now moods affect us. Now, we, we've all been there. But that's not a... Uh, that's not part of love, of biblical love. Uh, feelings and attitude, absolutely. Mood. I don't recall a Lord ever saying anything where He said, now if you're in the mood for it, uh, I'd like for you to go do this. Let me know and get back with me. No. I jump. Go ahead. You're thinking of agape love. I feel like even that there are still emotions and everything involved, but it's a decision. It's a choice. It's not. It's not motivated by feelings. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like brotherly love and um, um, uh, eros love. It's motivated by God's love, and it's just we know that that's what we have to choose to do. Yes, for sure. Is this a guide for us? Absolutely. Was it a guide for them, the folks that are wanting to quit or thinking about quitting? Basically, the writer's saying, let's go back to the 101 class again. Let's start over here again. This is your guidepost. This is the anchor. Jesus is saying yesterday, today, and forever. And while it may seem, seem un, somewhat unrelated, these things are not unrelated at all. Particularly if you're thinking about, I don't know about this Christianity thing. I, it's getting a little rough. I may want to hang it up. I had one more comment. Mm -hmm. uh, comment I want to make. Do not forget to entertain strangers. I love that because when you move to a new place and you don't know anybody, um, that's how you get to know people. Is yes. you you show hospitality and you get to know people and and guess what they get to be. You can make find your best friends that way. You know they become your best friends and your best spiritual um, buddies. For sure. We've certainly seen it in our life. We've lived in eight different states. Some people move down the street and think their life's been turned upside down. We lived in eight different states. And we didn't know a soul other than each other. And no Johnson had ever left home before. Had never left the county. Don't know if they still have. Except me and my sister. And uh, when we went to that, we always found a, a, a local faithful church there. And you know who some of our best friends are today in all eight states? Oh, that's correct. 
members of the church. They were there for us when we, we, oh, we might have had $100 in the bank. I don't know if we had that or not. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that, but not much. They were always there for us. And let me tell you who has never forgotten that, and I'm, I'm sure Greg and his all the others who have had older that have had to move around. You never forget people that are there were there for you when you when you didn't know your right hand from your left hand. Now what's what's incumbent upon those of us who have had to go through that, and maybe you could even do it somewhat locally, uh, in, in its own way, oh my goodness. Uh, is, is that a responsibility on, in this case, us? You better believe it is. Never forgot it. Never forgot it. We didn't have enough sense. Uh, there was a guy named Robert Turner throughout the brotherhood, one of the icons of, 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 of that generation. We had a $50 a month apartment. We had a card table. We didn't have enough sense. No, not you don't invite the preacher over. <laughs> Well, he's holding a meeting. We got food. Why don't we put our name on that list? Couldn't pay attention. But he was as gracious as he could be sitting at a card table. There's a rickety one at that. <laughs> entertain strangers. Entertain people. Because you never know what good you're going to do for somebody who down the road looks back and go, I don't know if I'd have made it without him or her. I think that's the kind of stranger he's talking about. Uh, let's see, I think we've hit these. Yeah, I think we have. With our last five minutes. Okay, now that, that's a big long sentence. Why is progressing to spiritual maturity vital? I'm not talking about them now. Vital for our ability to withstand the pressure to conform to this world, to the world. Why should we, why is it necessary to progress spiritually in order to withstand the world? And he said the same thing to those people. Remember he said, you ought to be teaching by now. you got somebody teaching you. You know, you, you're, you're a baby that hasn't grown. Why is that important to us? That's not a matter of where you are. Well, you know, I don't know very much. Well, can you know more next week? I think that's all he expects. Michelle? I think it kind of means if you're spiritually mature, you've got a foundation of hope that helps you withstand the pressures of the world. If you're weak, and we've all been there, and to maybe in some degrees we still are. Is it easier for the devil to work in our lives if we're weak and we're staying weak? Not a matter of being weak. Just don't stay there. The devil's got a field day. He'll have a he'll have a, a field day in our lives. I can look back on my life and see that. There is pressure to conform to this world. There was pressure for them to confirm, conform. In some cases, prison or confiscation of goods or whatever. Could that happen today? Could? 
direction we're all wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me down the road. Hope not. Pray not. The more you're progressing towards spiritual maturity, the more you're growing, the stronger your roots are, and you're being grounded. And so it's not as easy for the devil to have his way with you. And the more trials that you go through, each one makes you stronger that you succeed. Think about that. I, I put out a new, uh, <clears throat> about a year ago, and I put out a new lime tree. And put a little stake up to help him out. He's growing, and his roots are going deeper. Can he withstand stronger winds than he could a year ago? Yes, I say he like it's <laughs> maybe a she from. Um, she's growing stronger, and next year will be stronger. Eventually, what can I do with that stake? Take it off. You can withstand, but we're like those trees in a lot of ways. We have people here newly planted, baptized a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, a year ago. Well, <clears throat> your roots aren't very deep. But we need to be progressing and sending out those feeder roots to help stabilize that tree or stabilize our lives. And that's what he's saying here in a nutshell. But he was disappointed at them back in chapter 5 and 6 that said you, you, you're not growing like you ought to and therefore that may be why you're kind of weak right now. So don't, this is not, this is far from anything negative. This is very, very positive. Just look where you are. Just look where you are and then try in the next month or two or six, I'm going to be better than I was one or two or six months ago. In this right here. So when the when the curveballs of the world are thrown at us, we can hit them. We, we'll be okay. We won't we won't give up. We won't quit. That's Hebrews. Now Sunday we'll have a few more things to say um, on uh, well a few other things. We'll let it go with that. <laughs> that was the second bad one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you so much.